0: This episode is brought to you by the Association of United States Catholic Priests. How can Catholic people prepare for this year's election? Sister Carol Kean and renowned speakers will help us think. Vatican nuncio Christophe Pierre will help us pray. Register for AUSCP's June Assembly at auscp.org. And welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the young, hip, and lay editors of American Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless and I'm joined by Zach Davis.
1: Hey, welcome back. Hey, yeah, I know.
0: It's been a while since. It's been, we've a, been a couple weeks. In the studio together. Yes,
1: we have a full <laughs> new show this week. Yeah. So great news.
0: Yes. And what are we drinking? Well, well first, what day
1: it is? It's Mardi Gras. <laughs> Fat Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday. Um, yeah. It's our last chance to get some drinks in, celebrate. And we've
0: been, we've been doing it right. We had, how do you say it? Punchki, (laughs) punchkis. It's this Polish tradition where you have these delicious donuts on fat Tuesday. Uh, So we had that and now we are finishing up our,
1: (laughs) the liquor cabinet. So (laughs) as our custom, uh, when Lent rolls around, the, the show takes a break from uh, imbibing alcohol during the season of Lent. It's a sign of our repentance. Um, But, we're not there yet, and so we've decided to clean out the liquor cabinet. So we found the dregs of things that are left <laughs> from different cocktails that we tried to make. Yeah. Um, so I've got the last swallows of uh, Maker's Mark, and, yep. and I've
0: got some I've got a, some gin, some gin and soda.
1: Yep. There was Campari <laughs> left over too, but that's probably going to stay there for a while.
0: Some warm Coors Light.
1: Yep. That, so we've got the best of what we got, I think. Anyway, uh, happy. Yeah. Uh, happy, happy Mardi, Mardi Gras.
0: Gras! Cheers.
1: And who are we talking to this week, Ashley?
0: We have a great interview this week. We are talking to Father Matthew Bazaar, who is the pastor of St. Anne Church in Cow Island, Louisiana. So you may recognize
1: that name if you read the story that was posted in our Facebook group about um, a small town in Louisiana where the local Catholic community got together and filled a crop-dusting plane full of holy water and blessed the entire town with it. Yes.
0: Yeah, I I remember you sharing this story. It was over the Christmas break. It was like between Christmas and New Year's and you shared the story and I just fell in love with it. And we were like, we got to talk to this guy.
1: Yeah, so it's been an SOT in an earlier episode, but we have got the whole story straight from the source. Father Matt is just a very endearing person. This is a great story. And you're going to love this interview.
0: But first, Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic News of the Week so you don't have to. Our first story is is a pretty heavy one. Um, So... Jean Vanier was the founder of L'Arche, which is a global network of institutions that serve adults with physical and intellectual disabilities. And he died last year. Um, And just this past week, we got some very disturbing news about him.
1: Yeah. An internal report uh, that was commissioned by L'Arche found that Vanier engaged in decades of sexual misconduct and also complicity in similar abuse or in misconduct that Um, a mentor and early advisor to L'Arche had committed.
0: Right. So this internal report um, included allegations from six non-disabled women who... um,
1: Six non-disabled adult
0: women. Yes. Who uh, Vanier had had sexual, abusive sexual relationships with in the context of spiritual direction. So this was a, a situation where he was in a position of spiritual you know, power over these women and use that
1: to manipulate them into exactly, sexual relationships. Right. And
0: and his mentor, Father Thomas Philippe, had similar uh, abusive relationships and had his priestly faculties removed for a while. And for a long time, um, Vanier denied knowing anything about that abusive behavior. And Which, this report shows that he knew about it for a very long time yeah. and engaged in the exact same kind
1: of thing. Yeah, this this stunned a lot of people because, I don't know, there's a few elements to this that this is another sex abuse story from the Catholic Church, but a couple things were different here. Where He's not a priest. Uh, Jean Vanier was a layman um, who had been described as celibate before this, um, mm-hmm. was not, and widely thought of as a...
0: A living saint. A living saint. I think he was, you know, canonized, quote-unquote, on this show, maybe by more than one person. He really was a huge... Um, a huge figure in the Catholic world for the, the really, you know, L'Arche does amazing work. There are over a thousand houses where people with disabilities and people without disabilities live together in community. Um, he was a renowned spiritual author. And so a lot of people um, were just like profoundly shook by this news.
1: Another aspect of this was the way Lars handled it, at least has been praised by uh, some as being a sort of a a much better model for transparency in getting out in front of it uh, than previous stories of abuse scandals. In the yeah, Catholic no, Church.
0: they were they were very upfront. The way that they presented this news really centered the experience of the victims. They they you know were not defensive. Uh, they were transparent, um, and they're the ones who initiated it. Yes, they didn't have to wait until a state attorney general. <laughs>
1: Ask them. them
0: for their files, which I think is just such an important model for uh, the Catholic Church right now. And if you are someone who really looked up to Jean Vanier, um, which I I imagine many of our listeners did, I would really commend an article by our colleague Colleen Dully, who wrote a piece called "How Can I Reconcile the Good and Evil of Jean Vanier?" and it, it kind of digs into that question of of dealing with someone with a, a you know a complicated, disturbing history um, and and what that what wrestling and praying with that can look like. So you can find that at americamagazine.org. What's well, our next story, Zach?
1: More positive news uh, coming from the Vatican and El Salvador. Rutilio Grande, uh, an El Salvadoran Jesuit, was officially declared a martyr alongside two companions and several others. Um, by Pope Francis this past week.
0: Yes, yeah, so he was a Jesuit born in El Salvador, who was educated in Europe, and then returned back to his homeland to work with the poor. And this was in his—he was working right before the uh, terrible civil war that tore apart this country. And he publicly and consistently sided with the campesinos against um, against the government. And this this put a target on his back.
1: Yeah. So Grande. Was Obviously, he was a priest. He was forming these people spiritually, but um, his political actions sort of led to uh, his murder where he and we said companions earlier. So these are the people he was killed with. Um, One was an elderly parishioner, um, a lay catechist, and another was just a teenager. um, And they were gunned down in a Jeep while they were driving to some rural regions of El Salvador explicitly because of the advocacy that Grande had done on behalf of the poor.
0: Right. And this murder happened, um, I think, just months after uh, now St. Oscar Romero became the archbishop of San Salvador. Um, and it really changed how he um, approached that position. He had, you know, it, 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 in some ways radicalized him about, you know, what what the role of the church was in the context of a civil war that in many ways pit the, the powerful against the marginalized. Yeah,
1: R- Romero and uh, Grande had studied together. Um, they they w- had become long friends, and uh, Grande being declared a martyr means that um, he doesn't need a miracle for beatification, although Pope Francis himself has said that Oscar Romero's sort of legacy is Grande's first miracle.
0: Mm. You wrote an article a couple of years ago Yeah, um, about this type of martyrdom, which is a, you know, in terms of Catholic history, a relatively new development. So what do, what does it mean to be declared a martyr in this context?
1: So the church has had martyrs since the very beginning. Um, however, in the last century, we've sort of changed our understanding of that. Traditionally, you had to have been killed to be a martyr. You had to have been killed on behalf of your beliefs as a christian so right. the so belief like, itself you
0: you're asked to renounce your faith and you refuse to do it and that's why you're mm-hmm. killed.
1: but in the in the last century the way that these beliefs get lived out has led to a lot of political implications which have then led to being killed on behalf of that and so the church has been sort of changing its understanding that these are martyrs of justice right and mm-hmm. um it it, it, gets, it starts with um pope john paul ii declaring Uh, Maximilian Kolbe is a martyr. Uh, Kolbe is someone who was killed by the Nazis. Again, not because of his beliefs per se, but because of what that meant in a Nazi political regime. Right. And so this is something that the people in... El Salvador have known for a long time right mm-hmm. like they uh, Romero and Grande and these people are heroes there and they are revered and so this is going to be a big celebration right for them. and it
0: kind of gets the idea you know like we're we're told you don't just live your faith on Sunday when you're at mass. Mm-hmm. Mass it's supposed to inform your entire life and so this is kind of taking that principle and expanding it into how we define martyrs
1: yeah and speaking of living at your faith beyond Sunday <laughs> we've got 40 days to do that this
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, season. So, it's Mardi Gras today, but by the time you listen to this, we will be in the Lenten season. Um, and Pope Francis has uh, a message for Christians who are marking Lent with penance. Yeah, and it, it actually ties really well back to
1: Rutilio Grande. In his, in his uh, annual Lenten message, um, Pope Francis said that Christians are not only called to almsgiving and in individual acts of charity, although we definitely are, um, yes. <laughs> but we're also called to work for structural change.
0: Right. Yeah. So he he says, you know, charitable giving makes us more human, but we must go further than that and consider structural aspects of our economic life, which, as you said, that is what Rutilio Grande did and what Led to his martyrdom, um, so he connected this message with an upcoming meeting of young economists and entrepreneurs that's going to happen in Assisi, Italy, from in late March, um, where they're talking about the Francesco economy. So, like how we can build an economy that reflects these structural changes that that responds to the needs of the poor and marginalized.
1: Yeah, so it's looking at a more inclusive, a more just economy, and we're going to be covering this meeting. Um, as it happens and after it happens, so stay tuned for that. Um, but I thought this would be a good time. Well, we both thought this would be a good time to reach back out to our our friends at Unorthodox. We figured, as uh, we've referred to each other in the past, as our older siblings in the faith. Um, you know, we thought it might be good to get some instruction from our older siblings. We asked Stephanie and Liel to, uh, you know, pick a couple. Uh, Lenten penances that we could partake in. Um, and so we have one from Stephanie and one from Liel.
0: And they told us we get to choose. That <laughs> seems kind of against the spirit. Yeah, which which one of,
1: us, well, one of us, well, one of us gets one of them and one yeah. gets the other. Or we could decide to do both. And we haven't heard this yet, so you're getting our, our fresh shakes <laughs> yes. to what they've said here.
2: Hello, I am Stephanie Butnick.
3: And I am Liel Ebowitz.
2: And we are the the hip, lay... Jews who run the, uh, do we do that right? Who run the unorthodox podcast. And I have to say that being part of the Jesuitical family, the extended family has been nothing but, but joy for us all the time. And especially because it means that we get emails like this. Subject line, Lenten penance. Which just the
3: name of my band in high school in Israel. Exactly,
2: And we've done this in the past where we sort of select things that um, the Jesuitical team will give up for Lent. So we thought long and hard about this. Um, And Liel, do you want to kick us off? I
3: do. So I've been noticing recently how incredibly dependent we have become on apps, the sole purpose of which is to cut off any possibility of human contact. Well, right?
2: cool. it's to make your life easier.
3: You go; it is, it is the 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 idol of convenience. Right? You go into the Starbucks in the morning. No one's talking to anyone because everyone's ordered on the app, and they just walk in, pick up their cup, and walk out. You go to the supermarket. It's all people who work for these apps who deliver things to your door. No one goes to restaurants anymore. It all it is all delivered through seamless. No one is talking to humans. No one is interacting with humans. And you know what? It is making our society poor, it is making us a little bit less human, and it's making the world just a little bit less of a godly place. So I think the penance this year ought to be vowing off any application, platform, service, uh, or thingamajig, the sole purpose of which is to cut off contact with another human being.
2: Okay, so you're saying no seamless I'm no, saying, uh, Postmates, no mo- s- mobile pickup, Starbucks apps,
3: nothing of the sort. Okay. Instead, you walk into a Starbucks, you look a human being in the eye, and you say, "Hey, how's your day?" Uh, and then you go into the restaurant, and you say, "Hi, I'd like to order this item." And by the way, are you, are you doing well? Is it a nice Wednesday for you? Et cetera, et cetera.
0: All right. Okay, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I just got back from Wyoming Catholic College where I'm Uh reporting a feature and students there are required to turn in their cell phone to the college when they arrive at the campus each semester. And so I was surrounded by people who do not have any applications of any sort. They have limited access to the Internet. And I have to say, like, there was something attractive about it.
1: Yeah, I think that romanticizes it too much. I, well, I think this is going to hit me harder than you. I I think it's fair to say I'm more of a seamless user. Yeah. More of a, I order my Chipotle, I just walk in and pick it up. I don't have to Yeah, I don't go to Starbucks. Yeah, I I mean, I don't go to Starbucks (laughs) either, but, like, I'm definitely using the more convenient Mm -hmm. apps than I think.
0: But I... Hates human interaction more than you do. That's so also true. So the idea true. of like calling a restaurant and ordering food, I think, is more uh, daunting to me than no. It you is have to, to go you. to the restaurant or go to the whatever, <laughs> whatever, he, whatever extroverted thing you have to do in place of using the Domino's yeah. app would hit me harder than you.
1: L- look, I know people are <laughs> scarred that I use a Domino's app, and I live in New York City. <laughs> no, but I Domino's pizza is really good. Anyway, I think all right. So let's wait and see what <laughs> okay, Stephanie's got yep. for us.
2: I think a lot of people that I know during Lent say, you know, oh, I'll give up red meat or I'll give up sugar or I'll give up carbs. And they sort of like break things down into groups of things to avoid. And what I'd like to do, because I don't necessarily know how much that affects your behavior afterwards. I'd like to do something that doesn't necessarily like deprive you for, for, right. for right now and then allows you to go back to your behavior after. I want it to sort of imbue a little bit more meaning. So what I want you to do, whoever takes this on, is – at the end of every day after dinner you think about all the food you've eaten that day doesn't matter what it is i don't care if it's meat i don't care whatever and and where it came from and and where it had to go to get to your plate i like that and and just you, don't, you could write it down, you don't have to, but, but it's basically. It's like almost like
3: an ethical food journal or account yes, or it's, meditation. Yes,
2: it's, because it's you eat whatever you want, but we just think a little bit about wh- what had to happen for these things to wind up, these delicious things to wind up as, as like a confit on my plate. Um,
3: See, I also love the differences between us. Like, I went like full orthodox and made them give up something that would actually be. I went make like light reform. Life, right, so, <laughs> so convenient. And you were like, you don't have to give anything up. As long as you think about it, it's okay.
2: No, no, no. I think I. I well, and this is that, Catholic did I friends, do that wrong? Is that wrong? They and, have to give something friends,
3: up? and these are the Jews for you. Okay.
0: Wow. I love the two different takes. They're very different approaches to Lenten penance. Yes. I. Stephanie's is more of the taking up as opposed to the giving yes. up.
1: Yes. Yeah. Although you're giving up. Yeah. I mean, you're giving up time. And, yeah. and you may be forced into interaction because you might have to inquire about yeah. where your food came from. It's true. All right. So what are your, what's your initial reaction if you were going to pick one?
0: If I was going to pick one, you see, I'm doing these calculations because like whatever I say I want to pick, I'm going to have to do the opposite one.
1: Well, right. Well, (laughs) all right.
0: So I, I don't know. Like, I eat the exact same things every day, so it would get kind of repetitive and boring to have to think about where they come from I was every going to say day. that, too.
1: So you know where the Snyder yeah. pretzels come from. They
0: come from Hanover, Germany. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, all right, I'm going to cut you off. I think we can both do both of these. I think we can. Okay. Yeah, let's all do right. it. All right, so we are giving up apps of convenience, mm-hmm. and we're also making a deliberate effort to think about where our food came from That we ate during the day after dinner.
0: Okay, so they gave us our penance, and they have one more
2: request of us on top of our penance. So we've given you your penance. Now you have to do something for us.
3: We have a period that begins right after Passover, uh, which is called the Omer. It is the time when you count the days until the moment... Uh, in which historically we believed we received the Torah. It's almost like you know getting excited for your birthday and like marking the calendar, you know when. Or is like the Christmas, big day here, I've heard. Or so we've heard, Christmas. And so every day we we count the days and we say a little blessing and a little meditation. Here's what we would love for you to give us. We would love for you to give us some assignment to think about or read or contemplate uh, as we go through these days of the Omer.
2: And so you have like a month and a half to figure this out. So just just get back to us. Correct. At the end of Passover. We'll talk in April. Thanks, guys. Love ya. Shalom. Perfect. Oh, I love them.
0: Okay. Okay. We are changing seats here. Yeah. We get to give them.
2: We've got
1: about a month. Yeah. So I'm going to put some thought to this. So those were very thoughtful Lenten penances. So listeners, you're going to have to tune into Unorthodox to hear... Uh, Ashley and I's uh, recommended Omer practice. Yes.
0: Joining us on the line is Father Matthew Bazaar, who is the pastor of St. Anne Church in Cow Island, Louisiana. Welcome to Jesuitical, Father Matt. Thank
4: you. Thank you very much. Good to be with y'all.
1: So could you uh, tell us a little bit about the Cow Island community, um, about how big is it and what's the Catholic population like there?
4: Okay, so predominantly all the people here are Catholic, (laughs) which is uh, very interesting around South Louisiana. Um, All the people are Catholic.
1: I just want to sort of pause there for a second because I feel like that's, I don't know, like relatively unique in the United States, or at least it is from my own experience.
4: Yes. Yeah. Now, not everyone practices, but um, sure. But they'll claim it if you ask them what religion they are. Oh, yeah, we're Catholic. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we also measure it by family, mm. and so we have around 200 Catholic families okay. in the area, very small.
0: Are you the Pagan. only priest serving there?
4: I am, yes. Okay. And um, at one time, there were three parishes. Uh, there was Cow Island, then Forkett Island, and Pagan Island. But right. after one of the major hurricanes back in 2005, um, the diocese decided to close Forkett Island. So now we just have two churches.
1: What's your parish like, and how long have you been
4: there? I've been here three and a half years.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
4: And um, most of the people here are uh, farmers, and they live off the land. They raise mm-hmm. cattle. They rotate their uh, their land for certain purposes, raising cattle, growing rice. And also raising, <laughs> forming crawfish is a kind of an interesting ah. uh, where, delicacy around here.
0: Where did the name Cow Island come from? I, I assume okay. the cows, but it, it, I looked at a map. It's not actually an island. <laughs>
4: no, it's it's designated an unincorporated community, but uh, probably in the early 1900s. Um, of course, people here were forming at that time as well more more so than now and um they were always affected by the hurricanes uh living off of the coast mm-hmm. and uh as the as the water would uh, come in into the land, uh the cows actually c- cows can swim mm-hmm. and uh and they they would come to the highest point point, and that's kind of where from a map or from an aerial view, you can see. When it would flood, uh, it almost looks like an island.
1: Ah. <laughs> all right. Maybe we can move a little bit to to uh, what we're calling around here the incident. <laughs> uh, so, the actually taking a, a a crop duster, filling it with holy water, and blessing the community. Uh, whose idea was this initially?
4: Initially, it was a young uh, missionary from the parish. Although she wasn't a missionary at first, she was planning to go there uh, in Ohio. Uh, Damascus, I don't know if you mind. I actually, so I
1: grew up in central Ohio, and uh, Centerburg oh. is where Damascus is located, and uh, that's where I get my Christmas tree every year.
4: <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so, small world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so she was about to go there for her, like, a two-year term. Okay. And uh, she came talk to me once and uh, before, and she said, Father, I really... I want to do something for our community. You've been trying to have events to bring the people together because they're so isolated and just distant from each other. You know, you don't have a neighbor for miles sometimes. Mm. And uh, she said, let's have this event if you'd be open to it. Um, I've been praying. What did she mean by this event?
1: How did she describe it to you?
4: She described it as like, I guess she had a big vision that, uh, you know, a lot of people would come we would initially have mass out there and then I would bless the water and then this plane would be filled with the holy water and take off with all the people there and it did it it almost went according to uh her vision it really did
0: what was what was your um, initial response when she asked to do this
4: i was like Let's roll with it. I mean, nice. <laughs> yeah. Colombia did it, but they used helicopters, and uh-huh. uh, that's kind of dangerous. Uh, <laughs> and then I think Russia did it, too, but just for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Our reasons, you know, it's not that we're trying to necessarily... Um,
0: so you did some you know, research, just you know, you Googled <laughs> crop dusting blessing well, and found out that <laughs> at least two other countries had... <laughs> Done this sort of thing.
4: I, I had heard about the one in Colombia. Uh-huh. I had heard about it just weeks before, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I said, "Yeah, let's." I mean, a crop duster is is a key some type of vehicle, not vehicle, but uh, aircraft that people see uh, almost on a regular basis around here.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and that was kind of the initial worry of, of the company uh, that that uh, we found to do this for us. So the parish did not um, own a a crop duster. You had to go go out and didn't. find one. We had to find one. Yes, we have people in the area, and there's actually a business uh, that does it for a living, and uh, and that took a while because you know um, they said, well, if one of the pilots agree, that would be fine, and so she eventually, <laughs> after much persistence. Uh, well, what was the, uh, what was
0: the concern? Yeah,
4: I uh, one of the pilots told us um <clears throat> well people associate a crop duster with chemicals mm. and so that was his concern that
1: uh that people would you know, look up and maybe they didn't hear about this and would just see chemicals falling from yes, the sky
4: they would think they would think some type uh, of uh, that's apocalyptic <laughs> yeah it was being sprayed on their house <laughs> you know um and, and so, and that was a concern for us too. I was like, yeah, that's a valid point. Yeah, you want to make um, sure
0: that it was completely clean and so you weren't contaminating the holy water. Or
4: at least
1: the people mm-hmm. didn't even think that yeah. they were. So did you like send out notices to the community, like the way that my water company lets me know that it's going to be shut off or are you just like posting notices on doors?
4: Yeah, no, we just did like, a uh, you know, the bulletin and the announcement. <laughs> yeah. And, and then too, good old Facebook gets word around yeah. pretty quick. <laughs> Uh, so there was like a, um, a um, an advertisement thing and okay. people were sharing it and stuff. And uh, we got no complaints from the people here. Mm-hmm. They were all excited. And uh, it was a big turnout, too. Uh, For the Mass, I was surprised. So
1: could you walk me through the actual event? Like so,
4: Yeah, day of. Day of. Yeah, so day of. It was Saturday. Uh, it started with Mass. And because of the weather, it was cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just had Mass at the parish church, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the first time that I saw, like, a news person there. It was our diocesan uh, communications director came. I was like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. Because the news wasn't coming out. We didn't expect all that, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, And so we had mass, and uh, she was taking pictures, and uh, I was kind of, haunt—haunt's a Cajun word for embarrassed. And uh, (laughs) and then um, after that, we immediately went to the landing strip. And people just drove in their cars or kind of carpooled, and uh, that was only a couple minutes away, you know, okay, relatively close. And um, <laughs> I got there and um, greeted the pilot and everything, and um, and then people had brought their own bottles of water, gallons, you know, <laughs> things like that, and they kind of lined it up on the side of the plane. I was like, wow, that's kind of not what i was envisioning there (laughs) and uh so it was already pre-filled with about 100 gallons he said it holds 300 okay
1: so 100 gallons what's like the acreage of like how much would that spread around
4: see i don't i don't know like uh that's a tough question he wasn't like going like where people were and you know spraying over people uh he we had mapped it out right before he took off um what locations we asked him to, to spray.
0: So what what were those locations?
4: So the church, Mm -hmm. St. Ann church, and then all our area around that, the cemetery and what, and then the actual school, uh, which is a couple miles from the church. Then, um, some grocery stores, some local grocery stores. They're not like, you know, it's not like Walmart or, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what y'all have up North Publix or super one or something like that. It was just a family owned grocery store. And then also (laughs) our only bar, (laughs) 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 we did have them spray the bar. You did bless bless (laughs) the bar. Good. (laughs) Oh
0: man. And And then also the fields, right?
4: (laughs) And the fields on the way. And then on the way back, I mean, there's, you know, there's so much coverage. There's, you know, from here to the next parish is twenty-five miles. So he didn't go; he only covered Cow Island. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, which is really like seven or eight mile radius, probably. You know. Yeah. Um,
0: is there a special uh, blessing for for you know uh, this quantity of water? Can you just do the regular thing? Does it have to be longer?
4: You can, You can just do the regular thing, but I did uh, for safety too. I blessed the plane first. Mm. Um which I'm sure it had never been blessed before, you know. Yeah, um, yeah around here, I bless all—I love I love the blessing book, because there's, there's all kind of strange blessings you may not bless in other places. You know, fishing boats, you know, uh, some of the fields and stuff.
1: Are, and are these all in the Book of Blessing?
4: Yes. And maybe could you just are. describe
1: mm-hmm. for our listeners what the Book of Blessing is?
4: So the Book of Blessings is a liturgical book, uh, kind of what we call a ritual book, for— specific sacramental blessing,
1: and so which one did you use as your base for uh blessing the crop dusting plane
4: so yeah they have one for uh like airplanes okay (laughs) and then they also have one for blessing of holy water
1: okay
4: (laughs) so you sort of merged Mm -hmm. these two yeah i just did the plane one first and then the
1: water Mm mm-hmm now you had said that your parishioner originally wanted this to be a community event that brought everybody
4: together. Uh, did that end up? Do
1: you think that ended up happening?
4: It did. It did. It really did. After the blessing, and you know, several people were taking group photos, you know, with the pilot. And then when the pilot took off, <clears throat> and we couldn't see him anymore, <laughs> we just uh, we went to our community center, and they had not, not um, the bar <laughs> Not the bar. No, no, no. Uh, that is very much so tied with... There's a book of. There's a, a blessing for beer, too. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, and anyhow, uh, no, we had a reception at our community center. One of the parishioners made, I don't know if y'all have heard of a jambalaya
0: before. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so this kind of blew up in the media, right? It, it, it got national coverage. I, you said you were surprised by your diocesan paper coming. I mean, what was your reaction to seeing this
0: it was on npr NPR
1: and all kinds of stories
0: (laughs) yeah
4: yeah so it took place on the saturday and um and the missionary had told me she said i called the diocese she had originally wanted to invite the bishop to see if he could come but it was close to christmas he already had a planned family event Mm um so he couldn't come maybe next year but um, i
1: bet he regrets that now (laughs) yeah i think
4: so and uh (laughs) he does uh What happened was our diocese, right after that, the weekend, I think Sunday afternoon, they posted it. And Church Pop picked it up, and then it just started blowing up. Mm -hmm. Like, Monday, I got calls from BBC. Oh, my gosh. NPR, Fox News. I was like, wait, wait, wait. What's going on? Why do you uh, you think
0: there was this wider interest in it? I think because it was kind of...
4: Unique. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean uh, it's
0: cool. From a, from it's a really blame. cool. Yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> it is creative. It is creative. And uh, we actually have a, a, a priest that's a, a religious in our diocese, and um, he bought an ambulance. Y'all, y'all, y'all could probably do a podcast with him. He bought an ambulance, and two of them now. And that's a confessional. It's the mobile confessional. So we've if we'll go to like we've actually done a story
0: even... about that here in America. I'm oh, y'all sure have it's the same yeah. people. Wow. Yep. Yeah.
4: So, yeah. Yeah. Y'all so are when crazy people down heard
0: there.
4: <laughs> <laughs> when people heard my story, they said, "Oh, I bet I bet Father would too, loved it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you got ambulances, crop dusting planes. Yeah, I'm excited to see yeah. what's next.
0: Yeah, the crowd ad boats.
1: <laughs> Um Maybe if you could reflect on this. Uh, obviously. You know, here in New York, we don't have crop dusting planes. But do you think there's a lesson in this for other local Catholic communities? You know, what was your takeaway that you might say to someone somewhere else in the country?
4: Uh, Definitely, the people say, you know, Um, and 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 it it just kind of reaffirms me every time. Um, They love, they love those tangible. Uh, You know, Sacramento's with Ash Wednesday coming up. People love that. there. I guess they make a great connection. Um, Palms, all those things. Um, And you see it. You know, it's not—and some people often say it's superstitious, but I I really see they they trust that God's going to provide and and give His blessing, you know, through those tangible things that we have ordinarily in our house, you know.
0: Yeah, when you were talking about the Book of Blessings, it was like that's one of the things I love most about Catholicism is that it does take those those physical things very seriously. Um, And yeah, people's people's attachment to the land, to their boats, to their sources of income like those can be. Places where God is working. Um, in New York, we don't exactly have that, that same connection to the land. We we're renters. We're not farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about why it was that you know you've you mentioned that this isn't the first time that crops have been blessed? Like, what is what is the relationship you you guys have to to the land down there?
4: So I heard it described once um, the connection, like even with ancient Israel, like. Our our forefathers in the faith were very much connected with their land. They loved their land, and, and that's what I find people here, too. Now the younger generations are moving away, but the the uh, elderly, um, you know, they have hundreds of acres, um, and that was their livelihood. They, you know, that's where their job was, raising the uh, cattle. And they don't want to move, you know, which is good, also good for the church, too, sure. <laughs> uh, that, that they want to stay— uh, in the area and you know hopefully their future generations will stay here too but i see that with you know some of the younger generations their their jobs you know if they're not in that type of field they'll have to eventually uh, move for better source
1: of income obviously a lot of the media coverage was pretty positive i would say um -hmm. was there any was there any blowback at all um especially on like social media or anything
4: i did have actually some calls at the parish Uh, They were upset because, um, you know, they had they had neighbors that were other religions, but they weren't around here. They were in other states. Oh, Um, (laughs) so people were. So they they didn't know the connection of how much uh, people are Catholic here, Uh you know. Yeah.
0: Uh So they were worried that you would be kind of like baptizing people against their will.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Proselytizing you know so and it sounds much. like you you
1: I mean proselytizing was not the goal at all, right like, I mean no, spe- it was especially not. given that everyone is Catholic, but even beyond that,
4: yeah, no, it wasn't the goal that wasn't even a thought, or even too some sometimes on, on the social media I saw, they said, "Oh well, they're trying to uh you know uh, cast out things i mean that wasn't even my thought, you know yeah. it was really asking god 's blessings um, for the for the community
1: um well,
4: and in their fields,
1: you know, well, when we asked, we have a Facebook group for listeners of this podcast and when it, we, went, well,
0: it went over well there.
1: Yeah. We, when <laughs> we posted the story, um, a couple of listeners brought some questions that uh, it brought up questions that they've always had. Um, so we were wondering if maybe we could put you on the spot a little bit and make oh, you sort okay. of, uh expert on holy water. <laughs> um, so okay, you, sure. you blessed 100 gallons or more. What's the largest unit of water that a priest could bless like? could you could it, like an entire city's water supply be
4: blessed um no i think it it can't be running water
0: oh.
1: so it has to be it has to be still water so that would also rule out like oceans and
4: yeah no it it needs to be it needs to be still water okay mm-hmm. so
0: the so the only limit is how how much still water you can physically get together yeah. in one place yeah. <laughs> okay and then so what you've you've blessed this 100 gallons of water it's going on the fields it will like evaporate um so like what what happens to the holy water when it turns in from like a liquid to a gas like is it still holy is there now holy air (laughs) or (laughs) Or
1: when it freezes could we have holy ice
4: (laughs) those are great questions those are great (laughs) questions yes so if the substance changes Uh uh-huh uh it loses its blessing
0: oh Mm -hmm. darn Mm mm-hmm okay,
4: just like just like with the with the sacraments, yeah, okay. um, so if if the Eucharist uh dissolves, yeah, so it loses, it loses that
1: um. okay,
0: all this is right. good to know, that's good to
1: know, <laughs> which rules out my next question, which was like since water all goes in a cycle, are we getting to a point where all water has been blessed
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it but but maybe, guess not. Guess not.
0: <laughs> so you're doing this That's again next question. year, right? <laughs> next year. And are you going to change anything? And are you going to add any elements? Um, are you expecting a media circus?
1: <laughs> Is the bishop going to come this time? I bet maybe.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, d- I definitely, again, I still want to uh, maybe, you know, not uh, purposefully cause any kind of uproar or anything. I just, I, you know, of course we could invite the bishop maybe if he would want to come bless the water and then maybe have mass outside. But again, it just depends with all the weather.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I just want to say before we move to wrap up, like, I love this story because, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but what, you were just like, a parishioner came to you with an idea and you sort of rolled with it. I just like was so inspired that you were willing to work with like the laity and your flock like that, um, even if it led to kind of like what seemed like crazy (laughs) outcomes, but were really awesome. Um, So like, thank
4: you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Definitely. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. We do have one final question for you that we ask all of our guests on this podcast. Uh, If you could canonize one person living or dead, Catholic or not, who would it be and why? Hmm.
4: Oh, man. Put on your pop hat. Yeah. Put on, on, pope spot, huh? yeah. <laughs> put on my pop hat. Who, could I, who would I want to canonize? Uh, maybe I'm a little biased with this, but I do have... I probably would say my mom.
1: <laughs> uh, let's, let's hear why. What's your mom's name and why would you canonize her?
4: My mom's Gail. Her name's Gail. And... um. She and my father both, they, you know, they, they instilled in us a great faith. And, um, I had a brother that was disabled and she took care of him for 29 years. You know, she, uh, stayed at home and, um, taught us tender care, you know, love for the dignity of the human person, you know, it was
1: excellent. All right. Well, St. Gail, may she pray for
4: us. She's still living though.
1: I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she can, especially then. <laughs> yeah. She can still pray for us. <laughs> it, yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, Father Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. No, thank you. Thank y'all.
0: Thank you for this opportunity. Of course. All right. We'll check in next year. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, anytime you're in New York, please stop by. Yes.
0: Okay, yes. Wow. Great. And
1: we will do the same if we're uh, down in Cajun country.
4: I've never been. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, y'all got to come for some ball crawfish. I yes. think so. <laughs> I love it. You won't starve down here. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Bye, Father Matt. Okay.
4: God bless
1: Thank you. This episode of Jesuitical is brought to you by the Association of United States Catholic Priests. How can Catholic people prepare for this year's election? Sister Carol Kean and renowned speakers will help us think. Vatican Nuncio Christophe Pierre will help us pray. Register for AUSCP's June Assembly. At AUSCP.org.
0: All right, now it's time for some housekeeping. First, we want to thank some new Patreon supporters.
1: Yes, thank you to Megan, Marissa, and Christina, who've joined in the last few weeks while we've been off. Um, your support means so much. We can't do this show without you. We really mean that, so thank you again. If you want to find out uh, about Patreon supporter benefits and how you can support the show, visit patreon.com slash media.
0: And we are now in the Lenten season, so if you are looking some more for some more spiritual resources, America Media, yeah, don't
1: give up podcasts for Lent. That's such a dumb thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. It really negatively affects me, so and that's what I'm concerned about.
0: Yes, and America Media has podcasts that are even more spiritually. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're trying to say here than Jesuitical. Uh, So we have the Word podcast, which throughout the year gives you um, reflections on the weeks. that Sunday's readings. And during Lent, we have additional offerings.
1: Yeah. So, Imagine is going to be some uh, guided Ignatian contemplation that's going to be showing up in the Word feed. In addition to, uh, Ashley and I are both participating (laughs) in some audio drama. So, we've been recording... uh,
0: Dramatic readings of the readings. uh,
1: Of the gospel, of... (laughs) Yes.
0: Zach got to be Jesus, which, you know, is fine, but... Yes, that
1: uh, really... (laughs) perved ashley a lot who are you uh
0: i am the samaritan woman at the well it oh. was a great character in the gospel yes. i was very excited about that yeah so, i got to be a little bit sassy with jesus
1: <laughs> so yeah i'm sure you that was really tough for you to yeah. imagine being <laughs> sassy with me um so definitely check out the word it's um also put out by america media in your podcast feeds
0: all right, now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God in our lives this week and where it was harder to find God. Um, I'll go first. I had a consolation this week. As I mentioned earlier, I was in uh, Wyoming, visiting Wyoming Catholic College this past week for a feature story that I'm going to write for America. And I went into it kind of worried about how they would perceive me, Um we we are different flavors of Catholics. The uh, the students there go to mass in the extraordinary form. Um, there's a, you know, pretty strict student code at the college. There's no drinking. Um no there's cell a phones. dress code, there's no cell phones. And I kind of went into it kind of worried that they were going to like look at me and be like, "Oh, look at this like bad Catholic coming from like liberal New York to like report about these conservative catholics in Wyoming. Um and so I was I was very much projecting that judgment on them um and when I got there it was just like completely broken down. They were so welcoming and kind and generous with their time and just excited to share, you know, how they are living the gospel at this very unique Catholic college. Um and so it was a good reminder for me that the way that I think people are judging me and viewing me is often not the reality and so when I think about maybe God as seeing me in a more negative light uh, that might also be a projection and not and not the reality and so the the loving welcome of this community really really helped me to see how loving and non-judgmental God is
1: <laughs> sounds like it's a good thing that both God and these students are off Twitter yeah <laughs> I think that probably helps.
0: <laughs> what are you saying about my Twitter feed? <laughs> <laughs> no, not
1: your Twitter feed, just my okay. Twitter feed.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's, it is fantastic. Uh, what do you have this week, Zach?
1: I have uh, a consolation this week, and I guess I'll preface it with, um we've talked on the show about my grandmother in the past um, and her illness. Um, we lost her earlier this month, which was really tough. Um, it's my, it's the first person in my family who I was really close to that I've lost. Um, And so I guess I'm sort of going through a lot of things for the first time, especially in terms of grief. Um, And even I I was able to go home to say goodbye to her. um, And I was actually able to like be in the room while she died um, with all my cousins and my grandpa and my aunts and uncles. And so there was a lot of, beautiful things that happened in the middle of grief and I don't I I still don't know how to process or even talk about them and I was talking to Father Eric about it and the temptation for me as an extrovert is to try and do that on air and so rather than try and explain all of these consolations and things that I experienced I'll just say that this is where I'm at and I I I know that there's a lot of unpacking that I need to do I'm leaving for the Holy Land this week and I I know that's just going to wreck me, both the long plane ride where there's nothing to do but think in a lot of ways, um, and also visiting all these holy sites. But just a couple anecdotes, just being able to be surrounded by family in that moment um, when she died was beautiful. Um, I didn't really get a chance to process after that because I was much more involved in planning the funeral and such than I had expected. And I thought sort of the consolations were done because of that, right? There was just like, it just like went right back to real life. But then when we got back to New York, Father Sam Sawyer agreed to say a mass here at America in our tiny little office chapel. Um, And we just kind of announced that if anyone was free, they could stop by. Um, And we had to keep like pulling chairs in for people to be able to sit. Um, So it was was so full. And I was so overwhelmed and supported by that and that people would um, love me in that way. So I was wrong. The consolation hasn't stopped. And I know there's more... To come, but uh, uh thanks everyone who's you guys especially who prayed for me and with me during that time.
0: That's great. What's your grandma's name?
1: Judy Marie Durbin. I'll just a little bit. Uh born in upstate New York, grew up in and out of an orphanage and met my grandpa, married at twenty, moved across the country to Ohio, raised a small family, a uh, small army of a large family. <laughs> I was
0: about to say, small yeah, family. no, we're <laughs> we're
1: a huge family. Um and was I I stayed with her a lot growing up. I was the second of second oldest of thirty grandchildren, so um, a lot of who I am is because of her. So, mm-hmm. thanks, Judy. Thank you yep. for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you guys. All right, Ashley, want to get us out of here?
0: We'll do. Judge Whittickle is produced by Sebastian Gomes and Colleen Dully. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Faith formation provided by Father Eric Sundrup. Production help from Izzy Seneschal and Tucker Redding. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Jesuitical. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review. Jesuitical is recorded in the William J. Lowship Studio at American Media in New York City. For American Media, I'm Ashley McInlis. This is Zach Davis. We'll see you next time.